Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what is Mike Time? Mike Time is a set of short stories that have happened throughout my lifetime, experiences of mine throughout my lifetime, that have taught me lessons that I hope will be of value to you. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, deliver advice that sharpens your focus, as well as providing expert information regarding real estate, finance, and market conditions. So, Rondi Lambert, thank you so much for joining us on the Mike Litton Experience, bud. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. Um, and I, I remember vividly back in 2011 when you had me as a guest on your show. Um, and that actually lit a fire in me. I remember chasing you out to the parking lot and asking you if we could get on tomorrow. And you're like, I'm, I'm a little full, but if I have a vacancy, I'll let you know, right? Kind of like, back off, big boy, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but man, that was so cool. That was down at the KPRZ studios. Um, and I ended up full circle a couple of years later, I ended up with a, with a show, the Mike Litton show on KCBQ in those same studios. So um, crazy how life works. So thank you so much for being a part of this. I really, really appreciate your time. As we talked about a minute ago, our, everyone has a story and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born and then go all the way through your life story, if that's okay, all the way up to today. I don't know that we have that much time, but let's <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll enjoy it, however much time we have. Okay. All right. Well, I was born about uh, three and a half hours away from my home in Boise, Idaho. Um, so I live in Boise, Idaho, but I was born in John Day, Oregon, which is about three and a half hours away. Okay. And uh, for some reason, I always told everybody I was from Oregon and I don't, it wasn't until about two years ago, I realized like I was born in Oregon, but I'm not from Oregon. Like I'm an Idahoan at heart. I'm a libertarian and, and yeah. Idaho is a libertarian state and, you know, rules are just there for the average folk, not everybody, I got you. Uh, you know, and, and like one of the things in Idaho, when you, when one of the libertarian laws that we have is if you pass a vehicle on the highway or on, on the freeway, you can actually go up to 15 miles over the speed limit in an attempt to get around the car faster because it's safer. So right. we can literally do 95 miles an hour on our freeways throughout Idaho. Legally. Uh, legally do 95 without getting, a, you know, it's legal so you don't get tickets. So I grew up in, in mainly in Idaho. My mom was a teenage mom. And uh, my dad actually got drafted by Green Bay Packers. This was in the in the 70s. So I was born in 71. And he was supposed to go play. Uh, Why his friends were getting drafted to go to, to Vietnam. He got drafted to play for Green Bay Packers out of high school. And was supposed to go play as a linebacker. And, you know, he decided he was going to go party. You know, like any high school kid. And he robbed a liquor store and got caught. And <laughs> found himself in jail so he got a choice either you know my mom's at home pregnant and they gave him a choice you can either join the marine corps or go to jail so he joined the marine corps and went off to overseas what a choice yeah yeah what a choice right you know um so his life has been pretty much just one bad decision after the next yeah and somehow i'm not sure how this happened but my mom was pregnant within a few weeks of having me. So when I was 10 months old, uh, I had my first little brother. And I'm the oh. oldest now of, of 13 kids that wow. I know. There are others, but I don't know them. So I don't say that I have more because I don't know exactly how many. I got you. But my dad was very frugal. Good good size, good size <laughs> clan. So I, I grew up there. And then by the time I was six years old, I had two more brothers. So there's uh, four of us in and out of foster care. My, my dad would show up every once in a while, get drunk, beat up my mom. We'd move out in the middle of the night. And this thing went on for most of my childhood. Wow. Um, Sorry, man. In, you know, women's shelters and food stamps and 
one day we were walking home because we have a car. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you knew this, Mike, but I just learned this a few months ago, maybe, maybe, maybe a year ago, but it's, it's very, very recent that I learned this. Until 1977, women were not allowed to be, um, to have a legal binding contract by themselves. So women could not have a checking account. Women couldn't have a credit card. Women couldn't buy a car. Women couldn't get a loan. They couldn't even sign a lease on an apartment. No, I didn't. This is all news to me. Up until 1977. Oh my goodness. So, you know, I was, I was fairly hard on my mom when I was a kid as in, and as an adult, what I mean by hard was like, the decisions that she made. Yeah. And um, as I got older, I started realizing, you know, she was 17 years old when she had me Hmm. and she wasn't all, she wasn't, uh, how do I say this? She died recently. So I'm trying to, um, I'm sorry. Yeah. She wasn't the sharpest tool in the, in the shed, if you will, like beautiful woman, very, very friendly and loving but uh, was definitely not as mature as her age. That's a good way. So at 17, when she had me, she was just a kid having kids. So I always, I put that on my mom. Like, why does she, you know, move us around so much? And why did she always call my dad back? And why does she have the other men in her life? And so I was hard on her that way. And then I realized um, I was doing a podcast and I was doing some research and found that until 1977, women could not go out and do all this stuff on their own. Wow. And so that made me soften up a little bit, understand like why we had to depend on the government, why we had to do these things. So uh, one day we're walking home. This is really when the life changes. One day we're walking home alongside the highway. We're, we're hitchhiking. So it's my mom with four boys and all of us were carrying bags of groceries. And it was around the first of the month because we got our funny money food stamps back when they were actually Food stamps. I don't know if you remember seeing those, but I do. I used to work at a grocery store where we where we cash those in. (laughs) Exactly. You go in, you take your dollar in, and you buy a a piece of gum, a nickel gum, or something, and then you get cash, and you can buy beer and cigarettes with cash, whatever else you want to buy. (laughs) Remember the the food? Like you couldn't buy any food in the grocery store. There was only the the government food you could buy. Right. I remember the kick cereal, which was just nasty government cheese yeah yeah. Yeah, i remember all that so we're walking home and this guy pulls up because we're hitchhiking because we have a a car and i know it's around the first of the month because we just went grocery shopping and we're walking home this guy pulls up and asks us if we want to ride we're like sure let's get let's let's go well he was driving a horse and wagon not a car so all four of us, uh, us four boys climb up on this wagon. There's dogs up there. And these are cattle dogs. These are not like I got my dog laying next to me that my golden doodle, not those kind of dogs, like dogs right. that live out with the cows and roll right. around in cow poop. And so us four boys climb on. My mom gets up front and it's uh, we're just going down the road on this this horse and wagon. And. Next thing I know, we're moving out of our Section 8 house that had running water and electricity, and we're moving into a shack that has no running water, has no electricity. Paul, unbeknownst to me, that was the guy that picked her up, was in his 50s. My mom was 31 or so, so he's 27 years older than her. Very violent man. Had spent time in the mental hospital because someone was, uh, he, he owned this huge ranch up in Washington and someone kept breaking into his tax shed and stealing stuff out of his barn, essentially. Hmm. So one night he sat up in the rafters with the 30-06 and waited for the guy to walk in and then shot and killed the dude. And then claimed insanity, went to prison for a while, but this guy was crazy, like legitimately crazy. And, uh, so we were in and out of uh, Oregon and Idaho, spent most of the time in Idaho, mainly the mountains, because the Russians were coming. The Russians were going to invade it any day, overtake our government. And, you know, we were learning that rich people were bad. Money was evil. Education was stupid because the end of the world is coming. Hmm. And in fact, you remember Ruby Ridge? Yeah. 
those were our family friends. We were literally at their house the week before the FBI went in and raided and killed them. Oh the God. week before. So that's the kind of people that I grew up around, crazies. So at 15 years old, because I got tired of being beaten up, and Paul would beat us up on a regular basis. He would torture us. He would kill our animals in front of us and make us eat them. And just, just psycho things. Wow. So at 15, I'm like, I'm eating out of a dumpster. I have no running water. I have no electricity. I'm getting beat up all the time. I'm just out of here. And yeah. so I left. I left home at 15. I bounced around on some couches for a while. Mm -hmm. And then eventually ended up in John Day, Oregon, where I was born. Right. And how I ended up there was my mom's dad was up there. He invited me to come up there and stay with him. Unbeknownst to me, when I got there, I was not welcome because he was in the middle of the divorce and was living with his girlfriend. And he was drunk when he invited me to come stay with him. So now I'm where somewhere I, I don't know anybody. Wow. So I figured it out. I got a place to stay and I got a job. And this job is probably one of the biggest impacts of my life on, on helping me understand money and credit and taxes. It's the first time I learned about taxes and income tax. I'm 15 yeah. years old. Yeah. And I went to work for this guy named Wally Williams. And one of the things that Wally was, it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you keep that makes the difference. Yeah. And now that I've been in this financial industry for 16 years, and I've seen hundreds of thousands of credit reports, and we work daily with celebrities and athletes and entrepreneurs, people that are making, literally making millions of dollars a month. And if I said their names, you would know exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. And I see behind the scenes, I see all of the skeletons in the closet. And Wally was right. The most important thing is how much money you keep. Mm -hmm. And so for the last, I'm, I'm now 51, I'll be 52 next month. So the last 37 years, I have really studied credit, taxes, um, insurance, real estate investing, those kind of things. And it was kind of weird in high school, I would, I would do that. But so I went to work for Wally. And this is when my education really started. Uh, one day, uh, my job there is to wash his cars, mm -hmm. wash his cars and take his wife a bag of cash on Friday, literally a little envelope baggie full of cash. Wow. $2,000 a week. I was earning $2.35 an hour washing cars, just to give you an idea of $2,000 for me was a lot of money. No kidding. And so I would literally drive up to her house and give her a an envelope with $2,000 cash in it. And it was always labeled as petty cash or office cash. Mm -hmm. So uh, one day I just dropped off the cash, came back, had to wash her car and fill it up with gas and all that stuff. And Wally said, hey, um, I can't remember the dude's name. He's like, he quit, he can't handle it anymore. And I want to know if you uh, want a job. I'm like, yes. Like, I didn't even know what it was. Yes, he goes, I'll pay $1,000 a month. Like, yes, please. Like, that's a lot of money for me. I'm in high Big school this yeah. is in the 80s. Yeah. Yes, I will this take a raise. <laughs> so he's like, well, you need to understand whatever you see here at work, you can't tell anybody about it. Uh, like, nobody. And I'm like, look, I, I can keep my mouth shut. The one of the ways I'm still alive is I know how to keep my mouth shut because if I would have been talking, my stepdad would have beaten me to death. Right. So I'm like, I can keep my mouth shut. So he's like, all right, come with me. We're walking down this hallway at the office. We get to the end of the door and he goes, he turns around and looks at me. And he says, are you sure you want this? So I'm like, yes. And he's like, are you sure you can go and never tell anybody what you're, what you see here? I'm like, yes. Like, give me the money, like whatever it takes. Just tell me where to dig the hole kind of thing. So we open the door, Mike. Right. And I walk into this really cold room and there's a dude laying on a table, butt ass naked with a bullet hole in his face. And that was the day that I went to work as a funeral director. And I spent the next three years in high school wow. as a funeral director. Oh, and my goodness. Yeah. 
And I started learning a lot about people, how they react. Yeah. Um, I see all the good and the bad. And fast forward, I did that for three years all through high school. And then I decided that uh, I was on this one call and this fire department shows up. And, you know, the husband and wife, they're already dead. But the fire department shows up and they were just, they looked really cool. So I'm like, I want to be a fireman. So I put in my notice. I left John Day, Oregon, moved to Denver, Colorado, because they're building this brand new airport called DIA, and there's lots of jobs. So I went there, got accepted to the fire academy, become a fireman, and went wow. to work for Littleton Fire. So you can see my my Littleton Fire Department helmet back there on my studio wall. Yeah. And I've become a firefighter, and life was good. I had, by the time I was 21, I had three kids because I followed in my mom and dad's footsteps, not on purpose, but it ended up happening that way. Got in the fire department and life was good. Got fireman of the year. I mean, life was really good. And then Columbine high school shooting went down. I was the first responder there and things started changing for me a little bit. And then in 2006, my, my mom starts calling me constantly. And at this point I had no relationship with my mom at all. Right. And uh, she keeps leaving me all these voicemails. So I'm at the fire station. I'm not going to call her back. So I call her back and she's like, Zeke had an accident at work and Zeke's my little brother. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I figured he's the little brother that was like a year old, 18 months old when I left when I was 15. And I've always had this, a lot of guilt for leaving because I'm the oldest. And as the oldest, you just kind of have this guilt. So I left home and um, he was also a firefighter. He wanted to be like me. And my dad was a firefighter. Uh, my grandpa on my mom's side retired as fire chief in Boise. So, and I didn't know this when I wanted to become a firefighter because when you're beaten as a kid and starving, you don't think about like, Oh, I'm going to have a Ferrari when I'm an adult. I'm going to have this house and these kids. You don't, you think about like, how are you going to make it through today? Yeah. You're surviving. Yeah. That's all it is is surviving. So I, I, most of my life, I just, thought of something i'm like i want to do that and i just started doing it gotcha so my little brother wanted to be a fireman and uh so my mom you know she kept calling me she said that he had an accident so i finally call her back and like what happened you know because i'm assuming something happened at work and uh, she told me that he shot and killed himself (sighs) and so you know i leave the fire department i you know i go to oregon i take care of this stuff and figure out what happened and uh Come to find out he had debt collectors calling him and harassing him over, you know, a few hundred dollars of collections and a few hundred dollars over here and a girlfriend over there, just all this stuff. And he felt like that was his only way out over, you know, probably less money than what an Apple watch costs. Wow. And it's, but it was a lot of money for him. Oh, sure. More than what he could comprehend. It's perception. Yeah, it is. And when I talk to people, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to them and help them with, you know, one of the things we do is we show people how to avoid bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. I filed bankruptcy twice in my life. I'll never have, what I know now means I'll never have to file bankruptcy again. And I, I used to help when I had my radio show on KPRZ. I worked for the largest bankruptcy firm in California, Doan Law. Mm-hmm. And I worked as a credit expert and I help people through the bankruptcy. Now I help people not go into bankruptcy. Right. And so when I talk to people and they're, I ask how much debt they have and they'll tell me it's a lot of debt. Well, it's all relative. I have, Corey and I, we have $250 million worth of debt mm-hmm. right now. And I sleep just fine. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they're in apartment complexes. Right. So someone else is paying it. And so when someone says they have a lot of debt, I mean, it's all relative. And 250 million for me is a lot. 2,500 for someone else might be more than that. In, well, in their feel mind. that way. Yeah. yeah. Feel that way. Yeah. So that was 2006. And I really started doing a lot of soul searching. I ended up getting divorced. And then the kid's mom died. And then, so now I'm a single dad. I'm 30 something years old, single dad with three kids. And my little brother had killed himself. And so I, I'm really thinking like, what can I do to make a difference? And here I am 
Firemen of the Year in Colorado, among the busiest rescue in Denver, were saving 10, 15 lives a day. And I'm thinking, how can I do more? Mm -hmm. And so I ended up leaving, um, leaving the fire department. And part of it was, I thought I could do more outside of the fire department than I could do in the fire department. Yeah. And shortly after that, I started the radio show in San Diego, and it, it's kind of taken off since then. And now we've helped hundreds of thousands of people. I believe my company and my employees have saved tens of thousands of people's lives. Oh, yeah. Because we, we get to them before they're super depressed. Yeah. We show them how to maximize their personal credit, minimize their debt, and multiply their income and assets. And we do that every single day by literally just looking at people's credit reports showing them what they can do to increase it, showing them how to get credit cards, introducing them to bankers. And then we get the bankruptcies, the foreclosures, the tax liens, the judgments, the late payments. We get all of that stripped off their credit report legally and permanently. And at the same time, we teach them how to increase their score. So they, they go through our whole program. And now within 90 days, they can go from a 400 credit score to moving into their home in 90 days, 90% of the time. So that's what I get to do now. So that's how I end cool. up working. That's cool. And I promise you, I promise you, you save tens of thousands of lives because you're giving them a lifeline, man. You're giving them a lifeline that, that your brother didn't have, right? And that has to feel rewarding. That has to feel fulfilling, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's, and that's something that I've really, uh, by accident, because I'm not, you know, I'm not formally educated. I, I didn't grow up with money, as you, as you know, and what I just said. But just from reading books and being around other people, I've built that culture at Fortress that everybody there knows that what they do makes a difference. Every person they talk to makes a difference. And we are changing lives. And it's, it's difficult because... A lot of these clients, um, they not only do they need financial help, they need therapy. Like yeah. I, I have one texting me this morning that her husband hacked her house. He's got bugs in her house. He closed her bank. Like it is something out of Hollywood sometimes. Yeah. And, and we're not trained uh, counselors. But I, I know that if it wasn't for us, there'd be nobody else for them to turn to. So yeah, I agree with that. I, I love what and there's do. a real there's a real chasm, Rondi. I mean, there's a there's a real lack of knowledge out there. And, you know, people don't know how to play the FICO game. They don't know how to play the creditor game. They don't know how to deal with collection agencies. They don't know how to deal with all of these different things. A lot of people don't even know what a charge off is. Yeah. They don't know what a collection is. They don't know what, you know, they don't know how all this works. And so a big part of, I'm actually in the process of writing a book. We start, I've, I, I've identified a ghostwriter. We're starting January of 2024 to write a book on home ownership. And the idea behind it is millennials don't trust real estate because when they were children, they were, they experienced the great recession, right? And they watched the people around them that they loved and trusted and, and believed in. They watched them lose their houses. And so we're literally making an appeal and a case to millennials with this book about why the American part of the American dream needs to be home ownership again. Okay. And so a big part of that is credit. We're, we're going to go through a lot having to do with credit and a lot having to do with if life throws you curveballs, it's not the end of the world. And I'm going to tell you a lot of that credit stuff I learned from you. I learned a lot of it from you. So you've right. been a lifeline for me in terms of the education and the things that I've learned from you, listening to your radio shows, you know, following you as much as I have. And I read your book, obviously, right? So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm involved, right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm one of your biggest fans. <laughs> You've been an absolute wealth of education for me, buddy. I'm glad, I'm glad. It's just, you know, it always reminds me of that, that story when the, the kids walking on the beach and, He's picking up the seashells or the starfish and throwing them out in the ocean. And the, the old grouchy guy's like, why are you doing that? It's not going to make any difference. And Because there's thousands of them laying on the beach dying. Right. 
and the kid picks up another one, throws it out into the ocean, so it made a difference for that one. Mm -hmm. So as long as we make a difference, at least for one person, that's all, all right. that matters. And I think if you go into that mentality that you do your best, no matter who you're working for, whatever you're doing, you're doing your best, you don't know what that's going to do. Yeah. You know, my, my good friend, Ed Milet, do you know who Ed is? Yeah, I do. So you, uh, very good friend of mine. In fact, my, my girlfriend, I actually met at Ed's house. So um, Ed came up or wrote a book and it was released last year's fastest selling book of all times. They ran out when it, when it first ran out, Mike, I thought, well, that that's just like Ed, he didn't buy enough books, you know? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, no, he had a big time publisher um, and they didn't buy enough. They, they'd only bought a hundred thousand or so and they were gone within just minutes of him releasing it. But the book's called The Power of One More. Mm -hmm. And his dad was an abusive drug addict and alcoholic. Yeah. Ed now reaches every day millions of people millions every day and in his book and he realized it one night he woke up in the middle of the night and he's like somebody helped my dad get sober mm -hmm. and because that one person helped his dad get sober millions of lives are changed every single day because of ed milet jr yep so you never know you helping that one person you know and and we don't know, Ed doesn't know if the guy that helped his dad become sober that sponsored him, like, did he go back off and be a junkie? Did he just disappear? Did they ever talk again? We don't know. Um, but it's interesting. It was just that one one person, yeah. power of one more made a difference. So yeah. Yeah. I just I just interviewed a guy the other day that um that had a sponsor got, I mean, he was in he was in rough, rough shape. And ended up reaching out to the sponsor. Now he's a sponsor, right? And and he's helping people and he's paying it forward just like his sponsor did and that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, dude, it's a it's a big deal. I'm a huge Ed Milet fan. Um, in fact, I'm going to, if it's okay with you, I'm going to ask you to ask him to be on my podcast. That would be awesome. Uh, so we would love to have him. I'm a huge fan. I've read every single one of his books. I was one of the ones, I was one of the people that pre-ordered that book last year. Okay. So, um, so literally the day it was available, I was listening to it. So yeah, he's a, he's a stud. So, so talk to me a little bit about, so what you're doing now is you're helping people repair their credit and you're helping them get to where they want to be homeownership, whatever that may be, right. Business lines of credit, whatever that may be. Talk a little bit about, I know that you were helping people with business lines of credit. Can you talk a little bit about how you do that and, and how they can reach out to you to, to have you help them with that? Yeah, we at Fortress, uh, so now I have six different companies and I'm starting a seventh one uh, in the next few months. It's a law firm because Utah just passed a law, which is a bordering state of Idaho, that non-attorneys can own law firms. And we do, right now I work for over a dozen law firms as an employee. Right. Come 2024, I will own the law firm. They'll work for me. Okay. So cool. it goes back to rich dad, poor dad. That's it. You know, it, it. The C and D student, I was a D student because I was working my ass off through high school. Right. Uh, now I was going to own the law firm that has a bunch of A's and A plus students working for the D student. Right. That's maybe. That's it. So, but everything we do stems around credit. Credit is like the focal point, And then all the little shoots, offshoots of the company. Like debt settlement, that's how we get people out of bankruptcy now is we have contracts with these banks and credit card companies where it took us 16 years to do this and over 4,000 lawsuits of suing them and being part of these lawsuits that they actually, we get their attention now when we send them an email. Yeah. So we maximize people's personal and business credit. Okay. And by maximizing it and showing people how to maximize it, we now can leverage credit to make money. Right. And including business credit. So you asked about business credit. So I'll talk about that. Okay. What we do is we have over 500 banks that are in our portal, in our system, where you as a business owner 
can come into the system. We'll teach you how to establish business credit because it doesn't happen unless you physically purposely go out and do it. It doesn't happen on its own like personal credit. Correct. It's not magic. It's not. And it's not hard, but it's not simple. Right. And so we go out and we teach you how to build business credit. And then once you have what's called a paydex score, which is the equivalent of a FICO score, once you have an 80 paydex was equivalent of an 800 FICO, uh, which only takes 90 days to build. Whereas an 800 FICO takes 10 years. Right. And in six months, we can have you up to an 85 FICO, which is equivalent of an 850 I'm sorry, you can have to do 85 paydex, which right. is equivalent of an 850 FICO. And again, an 850 FICO is a minimum of 20 years to get to 850. But as a business owner, I can get it in less than six months. That's awesome. So we teach people how to do that. Then we have all these banks out there that want to loan money to businesses. And part of the reason that banks are so eager to loan to a business is a thing called fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. Fractional reserve banking is what legally allows the banks through the federal reserve, which is not federal and has no reserves, right. but they, they are a printer and they print money, right? whether it's physical money or digital money. Right. So the law allows, if you go deposit, you as a citizen deposit money, a thousand bucks into a bank, that bank can loan it out to another citizen at 10 times. So if you deposit $1,000 in your checking account, the bank can issue someone else a $10,000 credit card. And while they're paying you 0.0 nothing on that thousand bucks, they're making $3,000 a year off of that $1,000 deposit. So they make three times what you deposit. If they loan that to a business, it goes from 10 times to 60 times. Wow. Now they can take that $1,000, turn that into a business credit card for 60 grand. And now they're making $18,000 a year in interest off of your $1,000 deposit. It's called fractional reserve banking. Gotcha. So we now have banks that, Mike, if you simply go to this, for example, one of our banks, if you open a bank account, and you deposit money, 90 days later, you can simply call them up and say, Rondi told me to ask for the Minuteman line of credit. I'd like to get that. They'll email it to you. It's a one-page application. Name, social, date of birth, address, phone number, email, sign, date, done. No financials, no tax returns, no bank statements, no credit check, zero. One page application, sign it, date it. One minute later, they literally give you a $100,000 line of credit. Wow. All you got to do is open a bank account, put money in the bank account for 90 days. That's one of hundreds of other banks that we work with that will just start throwing money at you because of the 60X return that they get on the money from the Federal Reserve. So with our system, we teach you how to establish business credit so you can get business funding. Now, one of the things when I go on, I talk about this, I get a lot of calls of people that say, I have an idea for a business. I just need a hundred grand to get it off the ground. Um, Here's the thing. The banks aren't stupid. They want to get their, they want to loan you money, but they want to get their money back. It's not a charity. Right. Banks don't loan money to ideas. Banks loan money to businesses that can pay them back. Right. So if you have an idea for a business, I recommend you bootstrap it. Mm-hmm. If your idea is good, you can bootstrap it. Right. Um, so what I do is not for people who have idea for business. These are people that have a business, whether it's established business or not. Maybe it's a sole proprietorship. Maybe they're doing it as a side hustle, but they're already doing it. Like I had a client hire me a couple of weeks ago. He's got a vending machine business. It's all cash. Mm-hmm. And now he's going to obtain by Christmas about three to $400,000 in business funding because we're building his business credit under the vending machine business. Right. And the vending machine business is not making a ton of money. It's making like two grand a month, but he's making two grand a month. And now I can take that two grand and I can turn it into 300 grand. 
Right. Leverage. Because I'm going to teach him what the banks want. Because mm -hmm. banks never loan money to people who need money, ever. Correct. They only loan money to people who don't need it. So I'm going to teach you how to show the bank you don't need the money so they will give you the money. Yeah. So that's our business banking side. Love it. Is there anything else that you're doing that you would like to talk about? There is, you know, um, everything we do starts around credit generally. Maximizing the personal credit, maximizing business credit if you're a business owner, and then minimizing your debt and taxes, and then really multiplying your income and your assets. And we do this... Um, we have a new program coming out. I mean, look, I've helped hundreds of thousands of people fix their credit so they can buy a house. Mm -hmm. If you follow me on social media at Rondi Lambeth, everything's at Rondi Lambeth. You can find me. You will get a ton of information, like Mike was saying earlier, on credit, whether it's one of my four books or social media. But I have a new program that's coming out. And it, it started because I was doing a, an interview. We had little over 400 real estate investors on and one of the one of the ladies she was an older lady late 60s early 70s got on and she said look I, i'm on here with all these real estate investors i want to know how can i make money off my credit mm -hmm. and so i said the same thing i say all the time well what you do is you maximize your credit and then you get some partners or you get your your 401k and you go start buying real estate mm -hmm. i believe in real estate Every single time, Mike, I go outside of real estate because I'm like smarty pants and I'm going to buy something else, invest something else, I, I lose all of it. <laughs> Every time. Nope. I'm like batting a thousand. Someone will say, I got this business and I'm doing this and I need 25 grand. Sure, here it is. And then it's gone. So yeah. I, I, I don't do anything anymore that's not real estate driven for investments. That's just me. I have friends and clients that make millions of dollars doing other thing. It's just not me. I stick to real estate now. So when she asked, how do I make money off my credit? And I'm like, well, you, you know, you can buy a duplex, the whole thing that people think. And then she says, no, I, I like, I want to make money off my credit. Like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to buy any real estate. I don't want to have any leverage. I don't want to have any risk. How do I make money off credit? And I didn't know what to say to her. And here I am saying I'm America's credit expert. And I don't know how to answer this damn question. Right. So uh, fast forward a couple of days, I'm just thinking this is just gnawing at me. Like, how do I do it? And then I'm like, duh. Like, I I buy trade lines from one of my friends. And my friend has gone and built this huge organization with over 5,000 credit cards. And he gets people to let them use his credit card and he sells it to people like me. And then he pays them pennies. Like, what if... I do that. Mm -hmm. So I literally went on Instagram. I did a live. And within a couple minutes, I had over a dozen people say, I have credit cards. I want to make money off my credit. And then it just like, like there it is. Yeah. So one of the new things that were new as in for me to do with our credit cards, we've been doing this for years. We just never charged anyone for it. And we never paid anyone for it. So what we have now, before the end of the year, we're building it all out right now. Is it going to allow people, Mike, to make money off of their credit score? Instead of the credit bureaus making all the money, because they make billions of dollars off of your data. Yeah, they do. Let's flip it to where we can make billions of dollars. And so here's what we're doing. We are taking people that have good credit, that have access to credit cards, that are not using those credit cards. Correct. They then give us the username and password to these credit card accounts. We're then adding our clients who pay me for that account to show up on their credit, credit report. It's called an authorized user account. Yep. You're very familiar with that, right? Yeah. It's also called piggybacking. Right. A lot of people say, yeah, that doesn't work. Uh, it doesn't increase your credit score. And that is partially true on models eight, nine, 10, and 10 T, which nobody's using those models for FICO anyway. The models they're using were developed in 1996. FICO model two, which is what's on the credit report. Experian runs off of FICO model two. Why? Because the government says they have to. That's why they're using a 1996 year old software. Right. So 
what we're doing is I have clients that have great credit now because I fixed it. And we got them to get credit cards because that's one of the things that you have to do to have great credit. Mm -hmm. So now what we're doing is we're paying them 100 to $500 a month per person that we add to their credit card as an authorized user. Most credit cards will allow you to add 10 people a month as an authorized user. So now this 70-year-old woman that asked me, how do I make money off of credit? We're literally able to pay her now $2,000 to $5,000 a month to have access to her credit card. And people, they, they're like, well, what's the risk? Well, one, the client that we add to the credit card doesn't know who you are. And they don't have access to your credit card. They don't have access to the phone number. They can't call up and do anything. They're just an authorized user. So there's no risk to you as the person that's giving us the information at our clients. There's no risk to the client that's paying for it because all of your credit history now, the next day will show up on their credit report. So you and Mortgage Mike, you have someone that's got a 680 credit score. What happens if you pull their credit and now they're 760? Well, they pay less rate, money, don't they? Yeah, their rate goes down, their costs go down, they can borrow more, the whole thing. So is that worth 500 bucks to be put on someone's credit card for two months? Absolutely, because they can end up with $500, a lot more than $500 less in terms of, in terms of payment and per month and then over the life of the loan. Like on a on a thirty year loan, two hundred and fifty dollars a month is ninety grand over the life of the loan. Or let's say they're a five eighty. There's not a whole lot you can do. Or five seventy five. There's not a whole lot you can do. There's things, but not very much, right? Correct. And the reason they're five seventy five, five eighty is because they have some medical collections or any type of collections or some late payments. I remove those, so now they're six forty. Right. Then I put them on some trade lines. Now they're 800. Yeah. And so that's the newest thing that we're working on. We've been doing this for 16 years. I've just never paid anybody for it. So we're literally creating a completely different division, same company, where we're going to allow our clients now to not only when they hire us for us to teach them how to manage their money, their credit, their taxes, get a business funding, but we're going to have an option to where we'll pay them couple thousand dollars a month to use their credit cards. Now, what do they got to do to qualify? One, the credit card's got to be at least two years old. Mm -hmm. Two, the credit card's got to have at least a thousand dollar credit limit. And three, it can't have a balance on it and you can't right. max it out. So those three things, if it's at least two years old, at least a thousand dollar credit limit, and you're not carrying a balance on it every month, I can pay you between a hundred and five hundred dollars per person up to 10 people per month for the whole year. And so now you can take one credit card should give you about $5,000 a year of income on a, just a thousand dollar credit card. Now, if you got $50,000 credit cards, I can pay you a lot more than a hundred bucks. Right. Because there are people that back to the mortgage thing, let's say that they got a decent credit, you know, they're 680, 670, no late payments. The problem is every single one of their $3,000 credit cards are maxed out. Right. And they have the money to pay it off, but they need that for the down payment. So they're right. in a pickle. Like, That's how do I pay it off? You see that. So yeah. by us adding a $50,000 credit card or three $30,000 credit cards, that only show up for two months. That fixes the utilization rate. Correct. And now they're up in the 800s instead of the 600s. Yeah. And now they're able to get into a better mortgage. Huge. So that's our latest thing that we're working on. And I'm that's super cool. excited. And I, I want to have, we're calling it the bacon project. There you go. And the reason it's called the bacon project is my girlfriend's mom worked for Pebble beach for 28 years. Oh, wow. And they had a breakfast buffet there at, at the resort and, uh, you know, you've gone to these restaurants where it, or hotels where they have like bacon and the and then the scrambled eggs and then, you know, the buffet breakfast and stuff. Sure. Well, for 28 years, she took home every day two to three pieces of bacon for her dogs, just like everybody did instead of just throwing in the trash. 
Right. Well, 28 years, she's a union employee. Mm -hmm. After 28 years, she's making a lot of money at Pebble. And they decide they got to get rid of her because they can hire some 20-year-old woman to come in versus a 67-year-old woman and pay her a third of what she would know. So they fired her one day for stealing bacon. And they literally, she didn't steal it. Technically, I guess she stole it because she took it out of the trash can and it was Pebble Beach property. Uh, And the union didn't even want to fight it. And so here she is, 67 years old, gave her 30, almost 30 years of her life to Pebble Beach. And this is what they do. So the reason I'm called the Bacon Project is she's she's one of our first customers, if you will, or not even a customer because we're paying her. Right. Uh, but she's going to make almost $3,000 a month with her very limited credit cards because she didn't have a lot. Right. Uh, but she make about three grand a month versus her $700 a month that she's getting in Social Security right now. Wow. You know, That's 40 years of working to get 700 bucks in Social Security versus 3000 a month for credit cards. Just no risk to her helping out other families become homeowners, establishing a home in a, in a good neighborhood. And so I'm super excited about the Bacon Project. So thanks for letting me share that. That's awesome. I love it. So is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? If you need any help with money, credit, taxes, real estate investing, um, reach out. Whether social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, I got them all. It's so at RondiLambeth.com. So for, for people that can't read the, the screen behind you, it's R-O-N-D-I-L-A-M-B-E-T-H. Yep. RondiLambeth.com. Right. So, so or uh, so you're on, um, I'm sorry, say it again. What was the dot .com? Uh, RondiLambeth.com. There you go. Or all social media at Rondi Lambeth. It, I am uh, very, very easy to find. Not as easy to find as Donald Trump with his mugshot. <laughs> but if you type Rondi into Google, you're going to find me. It's pretty fa- It's pretty easy to find me. That's awesome, buddy. Yeah. That's awesome. So I just love to help them. If I can help them with their credit, and I'll, I'm going to... I'm going to finish up with this because this is something that I like to share. It's something super easy that you can do today to increase your credit score. Beautiful. Bring it. I call it my three, one, one rule. And the way that works is, I don't know if they, are you uh, recording this for YouTube as well? Correct. I'm going to share my screen. So it's called the three, one, one rule. And you need to have three credit cards at all times. Right. With those credit cards, you have to use them every month. Correct. And then you want to keep the utilization rate between 1% and 5%. Right. 1 and 5. Of the total balance, of the total max credit. Of the total credit. So. If you have a $1,000 credit limit, you need to spend a minimum of $10 to a maximum of $50 per month. Not 30%, not 50%. And almost everything that chat GPT tells you about credit is wrong. Right. Because they're getting it from the interwebs. Right. The Google, right? right? And that information is wrong. Why is it wrong? Because FICO is not putting that information out there. Real estate agents, mortgage brokers, bankers, your brother-in-law, Daryl, that never wears a shirt, and he's always sitting around drinking beer. They're the, they're the ones putting out the information on Google, and that's where ChatGPT gets it. Right. As a FICO-trained credit professional, I can tell you almost everything you see online about credit is wrong. Right. You need three credit cards. Minimum, if you don't have three credit cards, you need to go get some credit cards. If you have bad credit, you can't get it, go to my website, rondylamp.com. The banks on my website will give you a credit card. Right. As long as you're not currently in bankruptcy. Right. Three credit cards. You got to use them every single month. And when you use them, you got to keep it between one and 5%. Now, if you max out your credit cards to get points, that's fine. Pay off the credit card by the statement date 
not the due date. If you pay it off by the due date, they've already reported it to the credit bureaus because they report on the statement date. Now, if you don't have access to your credit report, you can get one at my website, which is creditmojo.com. So that's what, another one of my companies, Credit Monitoring. The sure. first credit repair guy that the credit bureaus gave access to the credit data. So not only do people trust me, but the credit bureaus actually trust that I'm doing the right thing. So creditmojo.com, once you get that report, you can actually look on our credit report and it says date reported. That tells you the day of the month they report to the credit bureaus. They don't do it every day. They do it one day a month. <laughs> so as long as you pay off your credit card by that report date, then you don't have to worry about your balances. But if you're paying it off on the, in full on the due date and it's showing that it's overutilized, you're going you're gonna to lose points. Correct. Now, look, if you're a 760 or higher on your credit score, just keep doing what you're doing. Ignore everything I just said. Just do what you're going to do. But if you're below 760, if you simply get three credit cards, use them every month and keep them below, below 5%, you got to use them every month. Otherwise, FICO thinks they're closed. If you do those three things, you will have a great credit score within a matter of days to a matter of a few months. So three credit cards use them every single month once, right? You, every single month and keep it between one and 5%. You got it. Of the max credit. Of the credit limit, yep. Right, got it. That's awesome. And then if you want to throw a little bonus in there, every three months, call your credit card companies and ask for a credit line increase if they only do a soft inquiry. If they do a hard inquiry, don't do it. But almost all of them will do a soft inquiry. You should ask for a credit line increase on every credit card every three months until they tell you that's the most they're going to give you. Gotcha. Beautiful. That's an awesome bonus, buddy. All Listen, right. I cannot thank you enough for your time. Please, please do me a favor and and invite at my at my lead on on the show. We'd love to have him. It's great to see you. It's been too long. I really, really appreciate your time. And if anybody needs to reach you, it's rondylambeth.com. It's R-O-N-D-I-L-A-M-B-E-T-H.com. That's it. Or social media at Rondy Lambeth. You got it. Thanks again, bud. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.